بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹونائٹ از دا ایت آف نومبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. And I've reached a stage where I've mentioned that he's embraced Islam, i.e. in the 10th year of the prophethood. And then I mentioned that more than likely he'll also become a companion in the same year, returning with Tufail, the chief of those. And the last thing I mentioned was that now After returning to his tribe, the Dos, they were all now coming to embrace Islam. And this was in the seventh year after the Hijrah. So subhanAllah, before long, our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam's dua was answered. And the Dos embraced Islam. And then came as a delegation to our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, just after the fall of Khaybar in the seventh year after the Hijrah. So this is important. They had embraced Islam before they came to the Prophet So this indicates that Abu Huraira obviously was given Dawah that the chief uh, Sayyidina Tufail and others They were now coming to basically give their Pledge of Allegiance How many came? It is related in Tabarani in his Kabir volume 12 page 222 That 400 members of the tribe of those came to Rasulullah So in numbers 400 attended. In another report, in Subul Al-Huda wa Al-Rashad, volume 6, page 37, it mentions 70 to 80 households of the Dost tribe all came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whilst he was at Khaybar. So there's no contradiction. If you say individually, you say around 400 came to pledge their allegiance from the Dost tribe. But in households, 70 to 80. So each household averaging about five individuals. Mm. But when they came, Rasulullah was at Khaybar, meaning he was dealing with the rebellious or the mischievous Jewish elements. Mm. So what happened? In Ahmed in his Musnad, number 8552, Sahih, Behaki, Ibn Katir, Sira, volume 3, page 246 of the English translation, Araq, Rahmatullah, he relates. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu arrived in Al-Madinah in the midst of the contingent of his people whilst Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was still engaged in Khaybar. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had deputized Sayyidina Seba ibn Urfuta al-Ghatafani radiyallahu to oversee the affairs of Al-Madinah in his absence. So they were going They were so eager to meet the Prophet ﷺ, but as fate would have it, he wasn't in Madinah. He was dealing with the uh, the Khaybar, the, the, the Jewish fort, uh, fortresses of Khaybar. His deputy was Seba ibn Urfata al-Ghatafani. Abu Huraira, he led, Allah. We got to him, Allah, whilst he was reciting Surah Maryam in the first rakat, And in the second, Surah Al-Mutaffifin, this was Fajr. 
So they arrived in the morning and Abu Huraira even remembered the rakats, what was being recited. Surah 19 in the first uh, rakat and Surah 83 in the second. I thereupon said to myself, Woe indeed be to such and such person who when he has to receive by measure from others, he demands his full share. But when he has to give by measure or weight to others, he gives less than his due. So stop in the report. So why did he say this? Because in the second rakat, what did Sayyidina Seba ibn Urfata recite? Surah Al-Mutaffifin. And what does that surah warn against right at the beginning? It warns against those who are uh, treacherous in business transactions. Mm-hmm. Woe to those. So Abu Huraira, he said to himself, Woe indeed be to such a person. And what is the trait of these wretches? That when they demand their share, they want exactly to the last drop. But when they give, they try to give less. So Abu Huraira, you notice he's acting with the Quran. Then he said, upon concluding the salah, Sayyidina Urfuta equipped us so that we may proceed to Khaybar. We got to Khaybar after it had been conquered by Rasulullah. So stop in the report. So look how honorable. The deputy of Rasulullah, Sayyidina Seba ibn Urfata, he saw the eagerness and he knew that they could wait for Rasulullah to return. But he graciously equipped them. He goes, look, I will give you horses, equipment, go to Khaybar. Because maybe you might, might even be able to participate in the campaign. So when they went, and this is about 70 miles outside of Al-Madinah, Rasulullah had only conquered Khaybar. Abu Huraira added, the Prophet then recommended that the Muslims let us partake in their spoils. So he told the companions who had participated in the campaign, he goes, your brothers have come and I basically didn't order it but he recommended you should give some spells to the Dawsi tribe because they had the intention. So this beautifully explains the tribes first seeing Rasulullah. They actually met him at Khaybar though the intention was Al-Madinah. It is thereupon related that our beloved Messenger وسلم, himself together with others gave a share of the spoils to Abu Huraira and others from the Dawsi tribe. Mm-hmm. This is ref- uh, referred to Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf 5-276, Fat al-Bari 16-71. So Rasulullah himself gave some of the spoils. He gave some and Abu Huraira graciously accepted according to this report and others also. Indeed, the Dawsi tribe then went through a remarkable transformation. So what do I mean by this? So there's a very interesting report. In Nasai, number 3759, Abu Dawood, number 3537, Tirmidhi, number 3971, Mishkat, number 3922. Abu Huraira, he relates, a Bedouin once presented to Rasulullah, a young she-kan. He later, reciprocated by giving him six young she-kans. But still the man was displeased. This was then brought to Rasulullah's attention. 
He thereupon praised and glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, So-and-so presented me a she-camel and I in turn gave him six young she-camels as a reciprocal gesture, but he was not pleased. لَقَدْ حَمَمْتُ أَنْ لَا أَقْبَلَ حَدِيَّةً إِلَّا مِنْ قُرَيْشِيٍ أَوْ أَنْصَارِيٍ أَوْ ثَقَفِيٍ أَوْ دَوْسِيٍ I therefore resolve that I shall now not accept a gift except from a Quraysh, an Ansar, a Thaqafi or Dawsi. So let's look at this. So in this authentic report in the Sunnahs, it's a Bedouin, so obviously Bedouins, they don't mean to be uncouth, but they're very rough in nature. So he gave a gift to the Prophet a young Shikam. But a gift is only a gift if you don't intend anything back. Otherwise, it's a joke. <laughs> like people don't do nine weddings. You know, they gave him, this is for the married couple. And then somebody's making a note of it. They go, what's this note? He goes, oh yeah, when somebody gets married, we have to return the gesture. But what? That's not a gift. So, this was his, you know, obviously he didn't know. Rasulullah gave six young she camels. Think about it. Look at the generosity of the Prophet. He always returned gifts. You know, not because it was an obligation. He always gave better. So he gave six. So you think the Bedouin is going to be, you know, mashallah, alhamdulillah. He's still upset. Now, why was he upset? Because it's not a normal person. <laughs> Rasulullah would give valleys and, you know, of, you know, millions in one gesture. So he's thinking, I've lost that. I've only got six couples. So the Prophet, sallam, he was informed about this. And he first praised the Almighty. Then he explained what happened. Then he said something very interesting. He goes, I have resolved, meaning from now on, that I shall not accept a gift except from four tribes. The Quraysh, the Ansar, the Thaqafi, and the Dawsi. Now, why did he mention these four? Because he knew they had understanding. Now, why is this very interesting? Because how many years earlier did Rasulullah say to Abu Huraira, I didn't think there was any good in the Dawsi. Now look at the transformation. You know, look at, you know, if you look at the, the hadith with a critical eye, you realize these were people changing monumentally. The Prophet is now saying that I will always accept gifts from the Dawsi because I have fallen, I, I'm happy with their understanding. So now there's a little bit of fiqh here. Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin Khan Dehlawi Rahmatullah, he clarified in his Mazayri Ihaq number 3022. When you give someone a gift, it is contrary to your spirit of sincerity to accept a return gift. However, if anyone reciprocates your gesture, you should regard it highly. So this respected Hanafi Sheikh, who wrote a commentary on Mishkat, he said that this isn't a gift when you expect something in return. But if you do get something in return, you should you know, treasure that. Then he said, the companions, radiallahu ta'ala an, never had a semblance of wish that when they presented something to Rasulullah sallallahu he would then give them a return gift. Nevertheless, he was exceedingly generous and always reciprocated their gesture <coughs> willingly. So this is important. So the second point the Shaykh mentions, he goes, the Sahaba gave gifts. They, they knew that they weren't expecting anything back. But Rasulullah nevertheless would give generously by Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then the Shaykh said, 
The Bedouin in this hadith, which I've just quoted in the Sunnah, showed extreme greed. His attitude reflected that he had brought the gift only to receive a greater return. This thus displeased Rasulullah and he decided not to accept a gift from anyone but the four tribes mentioned. Thaqafi and Dosi were two tribes. He named them as exceptions for they were courageous and very generous. The Thaqafi or Taif, these were one of the latest or the last tribes to embrace Islam. But look how the Prophet honored them and accept gifts from them as well. And they were also very courageous, the Shaykh says. So now, what if a person does do that? Is this something forbidden? I he expects something in return. So first of all, there's two things here. One is with regards to the Prophet and the other is with regards to the believers. So first, let's look at the Prophet So there's a report. In Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra 7-51, Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih Ibn Katir's Tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he recited this verse. Surah Ar-Rum, Surah 30, verse 39. Audhu Billahi Ibn Shaitan Rajim. وَمَا آتَيْتُمْ مِنْ رِبَلِّ يَرْبُوَ فِي أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنَّ اللَّهِ And whatever you give as a gift, hoping to gain more in return from people's property, it will not then increase with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he recites this verse. Then he explains meaning. It is the lawful increase, ay riba, that he gives as a gift, intending, however, more in return. Thus, there is no reward in it, but no sin. However, Rasulullah was specifically forbidden from this. And he recited this verse Surah Al Muddathir, Surah 74, verse 6. And do not give something seeking an increase, I in return. So this is a very important report. Why? Because the great Abdullah ibn Abbas, the Jamanul Quran, he's explaining Quran. So Surah Rum, Surah 30, verse 39, is for the believers. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Whatever you give as a gift, hoping to gain more in return from people's property, it will not increase with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what word does he use? Riba. So riba means usually. Then the Shaykh, the great Abdullah ibn Abbas said, if however you do this, two things. There's no reward at all. But you have not committed a sin. So this is why it's important to go through scholarship. You'd think, well, because if Allah has termed it as riba, it must be a major sin. Riba is a major sin. Yes, it is, but not here. Mm-hmm. But it's something that is disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. But then Ibn Abbas said, but it was haram for Rasulullah. Mm-hmm. So for the believers, it is makru, mm-hmm. disliked, makru, tahrimi, whatever you want to say, maybe greatly disliked. Mm-hmm. But for Rasulullah, it was haram. Why? Because in Surah 74, verse 6, Rasulullah is told, sallam, Do not give something seeking an increase. 
So this is a unique command to the Prophet ﷺ. He was forbidden that because of his status. We are to emulate this, but if we have a greediness within us, we've committed no sin, but there's no reward. Mufti Shafi further clarified, Rahmatullah in Marif al-Quran, volume 6, page 744 to 5 of the English translation, this verse, Surah 30, verse 39, for the believers, is meant to correct an evil custom which is common in close relatives and families at large. When people extend a gift or a present to relatives, especially at the time of marriage, they make a note of the amount they have given in the hope that they will get back an equal amount in return when it is their turn, rather a little more. This custom is known in Urdu as Nauta. Whoever gives out money in the hope that it will bring back something more, it is not worthy of a reward in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran has referred to it as riba, alluding that though lawful, it is as bad as usury or interest. So this is something common. We have to correct this. And also his noble son, Mufti Taqi Uthmani, he said in Marif al-Quran, volume 6, page 745 of the English translation, According to a large number of scholars, Rahimahumullah, usually was prohibited in Al-Madina, whilst this verse, Surah 30, verse 39, is Makkan. Hence the word riba used here cannot therefore mean usually or interest. So look how beautiful. How do you know it's not talking about riba? Because this is a Makkan verse. So a person's lost. He goes, I don't understand. He goes, usually was forbidden in Al-Madina. So when Allah the Almighty and Lord is talking about riba in this verse, he's talking about something else. But he's alluding that it's something which is this light. He goes, get rid of this habit. So this note taken and the rest of it, get rid of it. Right? He said, look, the gift is a gift. And even logically, do you need text for this? Why is, how can you consider that a gift? He didn't return it. That's right, bud. That wasn't a gift then. A gift is... You've given it and that's it. This is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he then gives you something, that, well, my intention was not to deceive anything, but I'll gladly accept it. And if he gives it, it's, it's to do with intention. So note again, you know, we're learning this also from Abu Huraira. So he's saying that our beloved messenger said, I will accept from four. The Mahajirun, the Ansar, the Thakafi, and the Dawsi. Why did he say that? Because he said they don't have that polluted intention. <laughs> and that was an incredible praise of the Dosi tribe from which Abu, and this also maybe is also an indirect praise of Abu Huraira. Why? Because he spent 10 years with this tribe. And look at the transformation that they went through. The Prophet is now praising them. <laughs> so returning to Abu Huraira, his yearning to be with our beloved Messenger could also be gauged from his own words. When I came to the Surah, I was saying on the way in poetry, Ya Laylatan Mintuliha wa Anaiha Allah Annaha Minda Ratil Kufri Najja. What a long and difficult night. However, it has saved us from the abode of unbelief. A slave of mine then fled from the road. When I later came to Rasulullah and swore allegiance to him, and whilst I was with him, suddenly my slave appeared. 
Resulullah thereupon said to me sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Aba Hurayra, hada ghulamak. O Abu Hurayra radiyallahu, he is your slave. I responded, huwa li wajhillah. He is free for the glorious face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I then freed him. This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 7845, with a chain of transmission. So let's look at this. So when he's coming with the Dosi tribe, was he eager to meet the Prophet? And if you look, he's reciting poetry. So you only recite poetry if you're in a state of happiness. So what was he saying? What a long and difficult night, meaning it's taken too long to get to the Prophet Ya Laylatan Min Tuliha Wa Anaiha However, it has saved us from the abode of unbelief. So straight away we can see his yearning to be with the Prophet Then look what happened. His slave fled. He had a slave and he escaped. So obviously in those days, this was a great loss. Why? Because your needs were with the slave. Maybe he's got your food stuff, etc, etc. He's legged it. So when he gets to Rasulullah he swore allegiance, the slave appears, meaning he's been caught. The Prophet now think about this, how did he know it was Abu Huraira's slave? Think about that, you know, we hear the report, we don't even reflect. He goes, Ya Abu Huraira hada ghulamak. So how did Rasulullah know? So one obvious possibility is revelation. Other, he knows him. From before, he's well acquainted with him. This is not the first meeting. This is not, isn't how you talk to a person with the first, you know, the first conversation you're having. You've got the impression that he knows him for a while. And look at Abu Huraira. He was so happy to be with Rasulullah. He said, He is free for the sake of the glorious face of Allah, meaning I freed him, Ya Rasulullah. He goes, this is, I'm so happy to be with you. He goes, I don't care. Free. And he was a manumitted. So from this one Sayyid Hadith in Ahmad, how happy was he to be with Rasulullah? The whole world didn't mean anything to him. He goes, as long as I'm with you, you are Rasulullah, this is, because I'm happy. Indeed, such was Abu Huraira's sincerity upon meeting our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now with his tribe, that our beloved messenger asked him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Will you not ask concerning these spoils of war that your companions ask about? Mm. He replied, I only ask you to teach me some of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught you, Ya Rasulullah. Mm. This is in Ibn Asakir in his Tariqh Dimishq, volume 19, page 113, Abu Nu'im 1-381, Al-Bidayah, Hafiz Zahbi in his Seer, volume 2, page 594, stated, Sahih. So he's freed his slave. Rasulullah now says, would, would, aren't you going to take the spoils? He goes, take the spoils. And what did he say? I only ask you to teach me some of what Allah has taught you. So what was Ghanima for Abu Huraira? He goes, it's not this. He said, I didn't come for this, Ya Rasulullah. I've come to learn. He goes, teach me. So what now do you notice? What he wants is the legacy of the Prophet so these actions certainly pleased our beloved messenger. Imagine what he's doing in front of the Prophet Please his slave. Now he said, I don't want spoils. I want to learn from you, Ya Rasulullah. He's pleasing the Prophet Why? Because Islam is nothing but sincerity. 
This man came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because Ya Rasulullah, what is Islam? Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And he sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Ikhlas, sincerity. Abu Huraira was shining with sincerity in front of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because you've learned. In other words, you're learning. But now there's a point to finish. There is a report from Abu Huraira radhiyallahu which apparently contradicts this. Which report? In Sahih Bukhari, Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 3, page 281 of the English translation, Abu Huraira, he himself said, Radiyallahu, I came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he was at Khaybar, after having conquered it. I thereupon said to him, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa grant me a share. So this narration, Sahih Bukhari, flatly contradicts the other Sahih hadith. So the scholars say there cannot be a contradiction because they're both authentic reports. So a simple reconciliation therefore is that Abu Huraira had requested this on behalf of his mother or tribe, not himself. So when he asked, Ya Rasulullah, please grant me a share. But then you go, but then he said, I don't want anything. The previous report is talking about himself. The Prophet goes, why don't you ask for a share? He's talking, because I don't want anything, Ya Rasulullah. I want to learn from you. Here, you can interpret it differently. I said, Ya Rasulullah, grant me a share. But you could say, well, maybe he wanted it for somebody else. And that's the only way you can reconcile. Who did he want it for? Maybe there were some poorer elements in the Dosi tribe. Or maybe his mother. So again, it's very important that you go through scholarship. Otherwise, you end up with contradictions in Sahih reports and you might have doubts about it. So note, this wasn't first contact. This was obviously after 10 years. So notice the love that he had for the, our beloved Messenger. So all I mentioned today was now the blessed Dosi tribe coming in their great numbers to pledge their allegiance to the Prophet. And they did so at Khaybar, which is interesting, not in al Madinah. Though they went to Al Madina first. And then I mentioned what a transformation occurred with that blessed tribe. That the Prophet said, one of the four tribes I will accept gifts from. And then I mentioned some of the fiqh, which is important for us to understand. And then I mentioned his yearning to be with Rasulullah. And he was reciting poetry and his sincerity in freeing his slave, even though he came back and he's not taking any spots. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi min shururi anfusikum subhanallahi rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun salamun ala al-mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr insani fi husn ladina amanu wa amilus salihat wa wasbil haqq wa wasbil sabr